0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a quick GCP roundtable before our next podcast guest. This is our 16th podcast for GCP. I'm Gene D, and I have my partners in crime here with me, Wild Bill Phillips and poker writer and GCP collaborator, Ben Saxton. How you guys doing? i good, dude. Doing well. All right. I guess we're going to start off the conversation. Let's chat a little bit about our recent GCP awards given out at PokerGraw a few weeks ago.
1: All right. So uh, I guess the big award, which we should talk about first, is uh, Player of the Year. And to nobody's surprise, it was uh, Preston McEwen. Although uh, with, maybe there were some oversights. Did uh, you guys have any opinion on uh, who was in contention or who maybe we, we missed or we should have maybe talked about more?
0: No, I think that uh, we hit it right on the, the nail, depending uh, that also the tournament player of the year, uh, Cody Samford, they wound up playing heads up for our uh main event championship, uh, number one and number two. I mean, I don't think we could have you know gotten any better at nailing that,
1: yeah. I mean, that's so. Previously, the player of the year, uh, Joe Sala, then uh, validated his uh, award by winning the poker up main event. The next year, Joe aber did the exact same thing uh following year mark davis did not do it uh he gave it a valid effort and so did uh donovan dean who was then i think the first ever four player of the year and like you said this year we had uh cody and preston play heads up preston player of the year cody tour player of the year but i do want to mention i i have gotten some uh individual feedback about uh maybe jeremy Iyer and what a tremendous year he had and if you remember jeremy won uh It was either the re-entry or the main, I believe it was the main event at the million-dollar heater. He also won a bracelet and $1.1 million and did everything in between. And perhaps just Jeremy's very quiet, uh, subdued nature is maybe why he didn't get as many uh, accolades or as many nominations, and it wasn't in front of us as much. But he was certainly up there, and I'm not even sure he made the graphic that we put out for the nominations. So... Uh, we certainly want to recognize what a tremendous year that he had. And he was definitely deserves uh, credit, uh, recognition, and merit as well.
2: And he uh, also took down the, I don't know if it's the high roll or the the, the, the chill out, as you call it, right? Um, oh. Not this uh, previously? Oh, I'm thinking of who am I thinking? Jeremy Gobert. Jeremy Gobert. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The chemist. Okay.
1: Uh, maybe he should get the award. Maybe the
2: the, the veteran, the veteran award, if yeah. there's a veteran award, yeah.
1: Or, or the best ROI. Uh, I had somebody in the industry said, I, I I never see that guy, but when I do see him, it's me paying him out because he just won the tournament he played that day or, or went really deep. So, yeah, he's a great player as well.
0: Yeah, very strong. And then the the female player of the year, of course, was Jamie Bertuzio. Uh she just been on fire this past year um actually won the ladies event here uh a few days ago um she's just a a great player and and an overall nice person
1: yeah and gene is uh uh, somehow omitting the fact that he and jamie chopped the tournament at kashada they and she ended up getting the trophy they went head to head uh it's one of your better performances of late for Uh, sure um, Um, yeah you're
0: right i did forget that
1: yeah and so she certainly has validated her choice and uh, I agree with you on that. Um, Jay Bishop was our senior of the year, and he easily could have been in contention for GCP Tour Player of the Year because I believe he top three or top five some of our biggest cashing events. You know, like an eighty-eight thousand for first um, or eighty-five or something, thirty-five k, forty-four k on the past year at GCP events. And if you look at his end mob, I think it's almost exclusively golf Coast poker awards. Uh, or, I mean, events. So, him winning an award makes a lot of
0: sense. Yeah, Jay, he's a real big supporter of Gulf Coast Poker. I really like that guy a lot. Yeah.
1: Do you know Jay at all? Ben? I
0: don't know, unfortunately.
1: He has the best laugh uh, in the room, and he is uh, just a great spirit. Uh, speaking of great spirits, our Love of Poker Award went to two candidates. Uh, well, two award winners this year, Miss Judy LeBlanc and Ross Lights. And Ross is somebody that we me and Gene have known for for years. I'm not sure if you got a chance to meet him. he's kind of good. no
2: I, I' I've known Ross Ross for a long time yeah yeah, yeah uh, really great guy yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and for those that don't know, Ross passed recently right before the awards and uh, uh, I got a lot of people reaching out saying you should recognize Ross. you should honor Ross this year. Even at that late date, that, that made sense to us to do that. Of course, we miss him. And, and um, he's one of those guys that, from afar, is supporting people. It's kind of like Ron Hell, who won the first award that we did like that, Love of Poker. People in the region may not even be aware of him, but he's watching those um, updates every day, tracking what people in the region are doing, how well they've done, and and giving us heads up, oh, you know, this guy. He's in, a, in the money. There's five people left. Um, so we're going to miss
0: Ross. One of the original GCP supporters, too. Yeah. If you remember back in the day, um, Ross just had a big heart, and world's a, a, a sadder place that he's not here. Man. I'm going to miss that guy a lot. Yeah.
1: And the other award winner is uh, Judy LeBlanc, who is from Lafayette. She's been battling cancer for I think it's two years. Two years, and that we had a a lot of people reach out to us and say that we should definitely recognize her. And whether it was female player of the year, I believe she was up for she was nominated for some awards. And it you know it really struck home because she's been battling this for such a long time. And her husband tells me that she will go to a poker tournament, sit there, play, grind it out, twelve hours, whatever it is, and play unbelievable but then when she's done she just basically collapses and she's spent all of her energy so in terms of somebody who loves it more she's literally living that um as she's fighting cancer and, and going through treatment and all that so
0: yeah she's been a uh another staple on the gulf coast and i can remember playing cash games with her at shorty's back in the day with, uh, her and her husband lane Where they're just, I mean, fierce, big games, and always making big calls, uh, and just both of them are real solid players. Yeah, she's very
1: humble too. I've heard her say multiple times, you know, kind of diminish her own own skill or whatever, but she's always seems to be in the thick of it, and she's won tournaments before, and she's a you know very good player. Yeah. um, Did we miss an award?
0: we all true.
1: Senior of the year, female of the year, player of the year, tour player of the year. Obviously, Cody Stanford, who we mentioned briefly, but he's been a great supporter of poker in the region. Right. Great player, uh, went deep in some WSOP events this year. Um, great guy. So,
0: yeah, and just him and Preston again, you know, getting heads up. He's just classic I They can't. I want to plug that again. It's just great.
1: Right. And Preston, what a beast! I feel like (laughs) we we kind of didn't talk about what a great year he had. He cashed seemingly everything he played. He went deep in um, from the Beau Rivage to our events to um, I mean, pretty much everything he played. He's he's always in the thick
0: of it. Yeah, and he's also an active coach, and his students have also been doing well this year. Also,
2: as close to a consensus pick as I think there was for. Yes. You know, for one of one of the awards,
1: yeah, certainly it, the nominations on our page when we open it up to people to to get their in, insight and input, uh, they really push for
2: something. So, uh, successful poker gra twenty twenty three. I think it's fair to say. Uh, I, I just wanted to mention, coming on the heels of that, we neglected to mention a first for the podcast, which is the that we are, the three of us literally sitting around a round table having a round table in person (laughs) in in, in pearl river mississippi um so i just wanted to to call that out and in this virtual era it's always good to actually see you guys in person and um uh tournaments the weekend seems to be going pretty well so far
0: yes Plus than the guarantee on the first event um big sunday um had the, the seniors at nine. We got the eleven hundred threes out and then uh eight o'clock tournament tonight. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're recording this Sunday, October uh twenty second, yeah. and the pod should be out very, very shortly. So um yeah, just wanted to to to, to mention that that notable detail today.
1: Well it's, it makes it a lot easier to not talk over one another. <laughs> we don't have the delay. We yes. can look at each other for uh all time visual cues. Yes. So.
2: Absolutely uh so we had one or two other other tidbits to talk about i think right
0: yeah they uh had an uh, issue um with a a player getting uh suspended from wsop.com because of some rta issues um what, do you guys know about that
1: that i mean it sounded like there's a new software available uh, forget the name of it but it kind of tracks to see if people are using softwares or real time assistance and some reason he got flagged, kind of got I'd say a mild Twitter mob behind him, or would you say it was a, a full bore Twitter mob that he was a cheater? And um there's certainly some notables speaking out against him, and then he got exonerated.
2: That's right. Yeah, and I guess I suppose I'll just read this out. I have Twitter up. I, I don't know, you know, I'm not in the online streets and I don't follow the um you know, the, the online scene all that much, but this does seem significant just because, you know, we're kind of at the forefront of, um, you know, RTA related cheating. You know, I think the community is trying to figure out how to police this, if this is even policeable. So, um, yeah, online player named Chris Battenfield was called out for being an RTA cheat. Um, He recently won a ring and uh, somebody when they were playing in the tournament, uh, they became suspicious of some of some of his plays. So uh, GTO Wizard, uh, they're participating in a program. It's called Fair Play, or I guess you can run hands through whatever this software is, and it can somehow, you know, verify if the play is is legitimate or not from like a solver standpoint. So uh, recently Chris Battenfield tweeted uh, two weeks ago, I was wrongly accused of using GTO wizard during play. Um, WSOP.com and GTO wizard have worked together to verify my innocence and the, the WSAP concluded their review and lifted the temporary hold on his account. And Matt Berkey, who is the founder of software Y and is, you know, I would say a poker, poker influencer, he, uh, he chimed in and said, we extend our apologies to Battenfield. Uh, I was unfortunate that they were wrongfully accused. That said, we should all be encouraged by the swift response of WSOP. Um, so, yeah, if, if folks are interested, they can go to um, uh, at Battenfield, B-A-T-T-E-N-F-I-E-L-D uh, to, to check out the tweets. We'll, we'll put this in the show notes. And there are some screenshots of specific hands that were kind of run through fair fair play. So um so that's kind of the the gist of the 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 cheating scandal or 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 you know perceived cheating scandal. It's always nice that there's a silver lining and somebody in fact wasn't cheating. Yep. Um any other thoughts on this?
0: I mean, is there, are we ever gonna be able to to keep people from using RTAs? That's the big question. Online poker might come back one day in all 50 states. Um, you know, if, if, if people are cheating, then it's going to not have the rec players want to play. And as long as you know it's being exposed in the media, people are going to read about it. And I, I don't know, I don't have the answer to that. It's, it seems like a conundrum,
1: yeah. I mean, I think when you're marrying technology with, with this game, uh, there's a lot of very easy ways to cheat. or Create an uneven playing field where the people that are utilizing it versus the people that are not. Even if you say, you know, I remember Saturday Live a long time ago had a skit where it was called the steroid Olympics. And it was kind of the idea that you just let let them go as much uh you know, drugs or whatever is possible, performance enhancing, and then you see who's the winner after that. You could say that might be. One of the ways you'd online poker would be is it just your robot versus my robot or or whatever? Hopefully it doesn't become that way. Um, but yeah, it's uh I think also you can look at daily fantasy sports, right? So they came out, they're super popular. Everybody liked to play them. You probably all your friends did, even non-gambling kind of friends that just kind of like football. And then it got pretty quick. I think the luster uh fell off of it because there were these really smart people using a lot of um. know programs to figure out who the best possible lineup combinations were there were pros that were utilizing all the lineup essentially multi-accounting i guess you could say because they had the maximum amount of lineups they could have and then if you were just a rec player you really had no chance whatsoever and that's probably the future of poker i think daily's fantasy i'm not too into that space but that's probably the biggest hurdle because you don't hear anything there used to be a commercial every other week you know, I mean it's not every other week every other ad on a maybe an NFL game or whatever now you don't really see it as much
0: right. the The software that they use to exonerate him is that um, open to everyone uh, what's it called? Oh, it's
2: called Fair Play and I don't know if how widely available it is or not I know GTO Wizard You know, it's odd because, you know, they're on the one hand, you know, I'm sure you all have seen this. They've been really aggressively advertising their products, you know, and they want people to to buy their product. But at the same time, the more people who become aware of GTO Wizard and know what a solver is and know what real time assistance is are also going to be aware of the possibility that they can use those tools to cheat. You know, so it's it's uh, kind of it's kind of tricky, but it is good to see one of the leaders in that market actively collaborating with the community to try to prevent, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's sort of in the term real-time assistance. So it's fine to, to, to check GTO wizard between hands, but you don't, you know, you can't use it while you're actually playing. And that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the crux of the situation.
1: I mean, that's, that's in live poker too. Like every few tournaments you'll see a a picture of somebody that's got their, of an opponent with their phone opening, uh, getting real-time assistance or, running through hands or you know shove shove hands or whatever that push charts.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah so you know we're, we try to keep these round tables somewhat brief we did want to talk about one more topic an important one and Gina, i know it's near and dear to you we have uh one of the great poker movies of all time maybe the great poker movie uh, rounders 25th anniversary yeah, rounders Thoughts?
0: Uh, to plug Poker News right quick, uh, Chad Holloway and them have done a couple of articles on it. Uh, they had an article that they uh, interviewed John Dahl. I think it's up today. That's a really interesting read. And uh, they also had a recent article about uh, the, it seems like somebody wrote a screenplay that they thought uh, was stolen from them from uh, Rounders. Uh, there actually was a, a court case. The guy tried to sue. I think it got thrown out. But the guy wrote a book. And I'm pretty sure it was Chad who did the article about it. And Chad read the book and said that it's very interesting. Uh, He said that he thought the guy was going to be making some wild accusations, but he actually had some good points. Um, Something interesting, you know, 25 years later that the, you know, the the great poker movie is still uh, having these articles uh, written about it. And, you know, the big question is, is is there going to be a, uh, another, um, rounders number two, right. I don't know.
2: I mean, we, <laughs> the people, I mean, the poker players in the community, I mean, we love, we've been talking about this forever, right? Yeah. You know, so this is just another excuse for us to, to hope for a second one. Um, you know, you mentioned Gene favorite scenes from the, from the original. Did you want yeah. to talk about your favorite?
0: Yeah. My favorite scene is him and John, T- well, Matt Damon and John Tutero in the, the spa. The, the shower at a hot tub place. When he's asking him to borrow money, and you know, John basically just asks him how much, and is like, "What? You, are you crazy? I mean, if I if I give you three thousand, what's what's that going to do for you?" And then Matt launches into the big Johnny Chan scene, and he you know tells about the the hand with Johnny Chan, and to me, that's just my favorite all time scene in the Rounders. Bill. Uh, favorite. Scene. Put you on
2: the spot.
1: I I love the movie. <clears throat> I got to think about the favorite scene for a little bit. I mean, um, some of those favorite.
2: So while you, while you're thinking, I'll just share. Um, it's hard to pick. Obviously, I really enjoy the scene where they, uh, you know, Matt Damon and John Turturro and and a, and a couple of the other buddies. They all go to Atlantic City, and it's sort of the 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 rounders playing with the taurus and i think that because i feel like it's like a really almost archetypal moment at the poker table where you're sort of like getting walked through and introduced to these different social types who show up at a card table Mm. and but the other the other reason for me is that the that the first time i ever played poker was at the taj you know so the taj is preserved in that movie in a way that's very memorable for me and so the the, the very first times i went and actually sat around a card table was at the taj so that's another reason why why that scene jumps out
1: so i think the taj is the first casino i've ever been to i went there underage with a fake id or maybe i didn't even have a fake id was kind of walked in and, and bluffed um i did not play poker at that time but my favorite rounder scene i think is he called a hanger sarge um I just that aspect of going into um, you know, that room and, and playing with police officers and having the audacity to try and cheat there is uh, pretty memorable. Um, another thing I can relate about the scene you're talking about with Atlantic City is living in New Orleans, we have a lot of that same. There's many times where I've been playing cash and you kind of look at a table and there's maybe two or three people you recognize and know, whether they're friends or not. We know what they're doing, and there are maybe six or seven tourists, and it's very similar. They're, the tourists are kind of in the jump seat, and you're kind of sitting there trying to pick off their money. And um, you can relate to that. It's kind of a, a something that just happens in poker. I mean, you've been there, right? You've
2: experienced that feeling at Harris New Orleans, Ben? But- yeah. No, I mean, I, and I think Harris is, is, is similar to... to uh, the Taz or any anywhere. I mean, v- Vegas is another example that pops out where you have this transient tourist population yeah. coming in town for whether it's a festival or a, con- a convention or something yeah. like that. That's sort of like essential to, to that, to the Harris Nola card room.
1: And if I recall, it's the scene, if I'm remembering, right, they kind of had different people
0: in the seats. Yeah. Yeah. They had all their tails. They were, you said, they said the tourists were just full of tails, but you know, the, the, the verbiage was they sat down and didn't realize what they were in Absolutely. they thought they were here just to play uh a, a little bit of poker but they happened to be at a table with you know five or six really good players that happen to all know each other right not and, that they were playing you know but
1: but that's so relatable because like it, it is almost when you're sitting at a table doing a long session there's three or four other people doing that that those people are kind of they're in in and out I and mean, they just like in the movie where they faded in and out so it's a different person and the see you're kind of having this friendly cordial relationship with somebody you're competing with, but at the same time, you all know who the money is that you're going after. Um,
2: yeah, and as Matt Matt Damon's character says, I mean it's not it's not explicit collusion, but it's like the nature channel you don't you don't see sharks eating sharks yeah so yeah. um was there anything else we should talk about before we uh, get our guest?
1: So I do want to mention two quick things. First, Caitlin Kaminsky won the Content Provider of the Year. Chase Haydell, who is uh, near and dear to us, won the Industry uh, Industry Award. Right. right. And we didn't mention them earlier, just want to give them their recognition. Uh, Caitlin is hilarious. And anybody that's seen her videos or her, her content certainly knows she's deserving. And Chase has been a mentor to us and a big influence on poker both in New Orleans uh, with us as GCP. And now he's at the Horseshoe in Las Vegas and has had a role as they transition from Valleys to the Horseshoe. The other thing I want to mention was the heater, which we've to our guest. Uh, is there anything now that the schedule is going to be released or it has been released that jumps out
0: at you guys? Million dollar guarantee. Yeah. yeah. First event, six flights. It's going to be huge. Uh, it's going to be a big event. Yeah. yeah.
1: And a million on the main, and then a million in between. The thing that jumps out at me is a 200K Monday tournament. We thought we were pretty big in Far River when we're doing 100K on a Monday. And I remember I used to kind of market at 100K on a Monday. Are you crazy? Well, they're doubling that. And they're also doing a 300K on a Wednesday, Tuesday, midweek. I mean, that's just, Mm -hmm. there's really no reason to. Go anywhere else? In that that
0: early January. Yeah, I think it's going to be gigantic. Cannot miss this if you tournament player for sure.
2: Yeah, a lot, a lot coming up in the in the next few months, uh, which we talk about in the interview. Yep. So, without further ado, uh, we will be back shortly with our guest for this week, Adam Nash. <laughs>
0: Guest for this episode is Adam Nash, a uh, poker room manager and MMA fighter. Um, he's a poker room manager at the Bow. Adam, how you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? All righty. Well, we're going to ask you the same question we ask all our guests. Uh, tell us how you got into this subculture of poker and uh, worked your way through to the poker room uh, manager at the Bow. Tell us a little bit about it.
3: Yeah, no problem. I uh, played poker from a time when I was a kid with my dad. We used to play stud on the kitchen table. Uh, if change fell off, it got donated to a church and that kept going. But then as I got to, I think I was around 19, I played in a charity tournament back in Ohio. And when we got down to four people, they asked me if I wanted to chop it and um i refused and then we got down to three people they asked again i refused two people refused again and i lost um after i lost the guy who was running the event came over and said i really like your style uh you know why don't you chop and i told him i have no idea what a chop is um but (laughs) i didn't know so i just kept playing it was winner take all type thing and then He asked me if I was interested in dealing. Uh, I said, sure. I didn't have anything going on. So I went and learned from then. Uh, Did that for a couple of years in Ohio with charities and then started doing home games and uh, did that until we were forcefully shut down. Uh, I think that's a safe way to say that. Uh, Forcefully shut down. Once we were shut down, uh, I started doing other things and then a friend asked me if i wanted to move to, or not move i guess travel to mississippi to uh deal i thought we were going to deal like a private game or home game turns out we were going to the gold strike uh because back then you could get your gaming license and process and everything in one day started there traveled for uh, i think four years four or five years before i settled into the bow permanently as a dealer in 2011. Moved up to a shift manager in 2014, Um, left that and opened our MGM Springfield property in 2018. Uh, COVID shutdowns kind of ended that in late 2020. And then when the spot came available at the Bow in the beginning of 2021, I was very uh, happy and eager to get back in there to what I consider my home. And now I'm here.
1: It's pretty cool. So Adam, I was looking mm-hmm. at your Hendon mob as a player and I saw all <laughs> these first places and they had like one commonality about them. Um, yeah. Tell us about that commonality. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about.
3: Two cards is not enough for me. I uh, I play bad enough that two cards is I just don't get my money worth because I go bust really quickly. So I stick to the high-low events. Uh, I love playing Omaha high-low structured I came up on ten, twenty, half kill Omaha, twenty, forty stud. I came up on limit games. Uh, even though I'm, I guess, somewhat younger in the poker world, I everybody I played with to start with was sixty plus. So no limit and pot limit kind of had the old like, yeah, you kids in your no limit, you know, type attitude. So uh, it was hard to find anything else limit and. When I can get half the pot for having the worst possible hand, that just is a best-case scenario for me personally. So it worked out really well.
1: So um, I think me and you have talked about this before. Is it likely there's that particular game is going to be on the schedule in January?
3: It will never go away. As long <laughs> as I am anywhere in charge of tournament events, I will have a structured limit Omaha eight or better tournament. Yes.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Even if, if that means you're going to get some of the, uh, I guess the more vocal people on the internet that, uh, really like the, uh, (laughs) those games pop up.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I don't, I don't mind the, uh, I don't mind the vocal people. I think that everyone has you've got your right to speak up about what you feel is right or wrong. I think the difference is when you start thinking that your opinion should necessarily influence what I do as a business operator and you don't factor in what other people think. And that's where the drama seems to come from really is small portions or small crowds that make the biggest noise. And then everybody's like, well, they're yelling. They must be telling the truth like no that's not always the case uh but yeah they're welcome to to come and complain about if the coffee's too hot or cold or if you know we have whatever i'll be ready
1: so what can you tell us about uh the heater now that we're kind of tiptoeing around it right now
3: uh, i can tell you that our event in january um number one it's supposed to go public within the next couple of days so hopefully As long as this airs after that i won't be in any trouble um this will we'll make sure it airs after um
1: any new information
3: (laughs) fantastic then i will tell you everything you'd like to know uh january will have over three million dollars in guarantees um which is nearly double the most guarantees we've ever had which was this year um we crushed this year which was amazing you know Credit to the tournament staff and the players for really doing that. I'd love to take all the credit and say I'm awesome, but it's not me. Um, January of this upcoming year, number one, obviously, been renamed. We're no longer the million-dollar heater. we got over $3 million. A million-dollar heater doesn't seem fair. Um, so we have $3 million in guarantees. Every event that is numbered, so we have a total of 12, we'll have a guaranteed prize pool. Um that's something we've never done before. That includes the four-card high-low grumpy game. It will have a guarantee <laughs> on it. Uh, we'll open with a million-dollar guarantee, $400 buy-in. Uh, we'll close with a million-dollar guaranteed main event with a $1,200 buy-in. We had a lot of success with that last year. Um, and in between, we have guarantees from, I mean, any anywhere really. The lowest guarantee I think is $25,000, and the – other highest guarantee outside of the million is a 300,000 monster stack but we also have a 200k we've got a 150k high roller freeze out 150k single day tournament I mean we tried to make this um, 100k seniors tournament we tried to make this schedule to where if you are a player that is kind of our niche or our market of you know 300 to 1,000 to 2K max type of buy-in. I can't think of a reason why you need to go anywhere else between January 4th and January 15th but us. Um, And I hope that that's how it turns out. Yeah, it sounds uh,
1: unmissable. That's what we've been putting uh, for kind of the teasers we put out there. And especially a 300K, I'm guessing that's midweek, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or...
3: Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and uh, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Wednesday. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's I don't I don't know if I've even heard of that <laughs> being done, you know, outside of maybe Vegas, Texas, possibly. I don't even know if that's been done in Texas, maybe Florida. Um, yeah, well Monday well, before to... Tuesday,
3: Wednesday we have a two hundred thousand dollar guarantee. So Jeez. that's yeah. That's the uh, triple stack mystery bounties Monday. That's a 200K guarantee. And then the monster stack is starting on Tuesday. That's the 300,000.
1: Wow. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a big, uh, for us, it's it's something that we've always been very confident in our ability to put out a, a product that's worth it for players to come and travel. But now recently with just the general tournament market blowing up country wide I guess internationally too um if we were ever gonna take a chance on well kind of me putting my job on the line really for lack of uh, better words I- I'm I'm all for it this January we are going to try to show that we are not only back in the tournament market uh for January specifically but that we are aware that Players want to come play with us, so we're going to give you even more reason to. And uh, I can't wait to see what it does.
1: And that sounds awesome. Um, A little bit of background about you. I know that you Mm -hmm. have a lot of different interests. Tell us a little bit about
3: Slugfest. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Slugfest is, now that I've gotten – I guess almost too old to play with uh, all the other guys that can do MMA and, and normal fighting anymore. Uh, Slugfest is like a tough man contest that uh, a local promoter named Ricky Derwin Jr. His family has been, if you've been on the coast and you've been to any form of combat event, their families run them forever. Um, and he puts on these events where it's two or three weight classes, uh, one minute rounds. Three one minute rounds, you have to wear headgear and I think they're 14 ounce boxing gloves, but anyone can enter them as long as you're not um, a professional boxer and he has some other criteria that would restrict it. And you can only fight up to 20 times, Um, but I've been doing them now for a little over a year. And I come from a wrestling and grappling background. Being born and raised in Ohio, I wrestled from as long as I can really remember. So the boxing stuff has always been strange to me, but I've had a lot of fun learning it. And uh, they gave me a reason to not just be fat and lay around anymore. So I had to lose some weight and I don't like traditional working out. So I've just continued to do them. I have a blast doing them. He puts on a great show. It's great for the fighters, great for the fans. It's, if you guys are ever in town during one, you should definitely come check it out. I think there's one actually right after the heater. Uh, I'm not 100% on the date, but right afterwards. We'll see if I'm in that one or not. I don't know yet. I haven't missed one yet, so it'd be hard not to.
1: I know uh, Gene and I have talked about it. There was one that we thought we were going to be able to make, but we ended up having to do something. But um, By the way, you're being pretty humble because I was I was reading some of this stuff about you. Um, you're ranked third in their mm-hmm. – official rankings um you have yeah. one of the best knockout 39 total rounds they say your next stop's the hall of fame i mean so mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing pretty well in there right you're yeah. not just just mixing <laughs> it up you're actually getting in there yeah. And winning, right
3: yeah i've done everything from uh get eliminated the first fight to uh because it's a tournament format so you fight uh up to four times in one night and I've done everything from get beat in the first round to the last event we had, I won the whole thing. Um, So, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm kind of good at it. I've always been kind of good at fighting stuff. It's just never, I'm not a, obviously you've interacted with me a lot. I'm not a person that's very big on uh, bragging about, you know, how awesome I am at things or this or that, but, I've heard rumors that I'm pretty good at it, so I would say that that's that's probably accurate.
1: That uh, all that uh, everything you said is accurate. You're <laughs> definitely not one to toot your own horn, but uh, I I think uh, I needed to to get it out of <laughs> you because yeah. you deserve the, the recognition for it. It's not just like yeah, uh, sure. you're you're not just like grappling and uh, uh, having a early night of it. You're actually competing and winning.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Even cooler was something that he wrote, which. Um, he said in talking about you, I guess this is the, uh, owner of the promotion. Yeah. He's also been the guy that literally never quits. He postponed chemotherapy to compete in these tournaments and has told his doctor, no, those dates aren't going to work for me. I'm fighting that weekend. This is a different human being. So tell us a little bit about chemotherapy and what he's talking about, how you're still able to fight in real life as well as, you know, fighting cancer and, 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 a little bit what's going on with you health-wise.
3: Yeah, um, so in 2020, uh, right after I took the bow job, actually, it uh, wasn't long after that, I had kind of, long story short, noticed a, a thing in the middle of my back. Uh, you know, I had my wife make the Sharpie dots. It outgrew it in like a week. So I went to my doctor. They cut it out. Uh, they actually called me while I was at work in my office. And um, the person who called me, I missed their call and then he called back and got a front desk person. And I said, yeah, they they must have called me with my results. And she said, yes, they did. And I said, OK, well, so what are they? And she started kind of like, oh, well, I can't. And I said, oh, man, that sounds bad. That doesn't sound good at all. You can't tell me. And the lady's like, no. And I, said, I just kind of laughed. And uh, the doctor called me back and she said, yeah, it's, um, we found melanoma. It's melanoma. And uh, we went through the conversation. And at the end, I kind of just had to clarify her with her, you know, like a re-saying as in I have cancer or I just want to make sure. And she said, yeah. So it ended up being um, melanoma in the middle of my back. Uh, The tumor was about the size of uh, the palm of my hand. Um, By the time they had removed it, they found it was also in my lymph nodes as well um, on each armpit. Luckily, it was only in, I think, like one... One on each side. Um, So they did surgery, went in and removed it. Then uh, I did radiation and chemo pills. Radiation was five days a week for a month. And then chemo pills was for a year. Um, So I did that, followed up with checkups, everything that got taken care of, gone away. Um, This past January, January 23, right after the tournament actually finished, I had uh, scans they called me after the scans and it's to me, these things are funny. So I apologize to anyone who might think that I'm being sarcastic or like not respecting other people that have cancer, but this is just how I guess I deal with things. Uh, but they called and said, you know, everything looks good, except you have a, a small spot on your brain. And even me being me, I was like, wow, brain sounds not very good. Um, And I don't let anyone go with me to my appointments. I go by myself um, to everywhere from MD Anderson to around here. And But the deal with my family is I tell them right away, if a doctor tells me something, I don't hide anything. So I told them that night that the doctor said they found something on my brain. Um, They had questions. I I don't ask questions. I've never Googled this. I've never any of that stuff. I just listen to what the doctor says. And uh, so they had questions. So I said, okay, I'll call them back the next day. I called asked the question and the lady who was talking to me said, yeah, we looked at your scans. Everything's good. Except for this spot on your lung. And I was like, okay, wait, time out. Did you say lung or brain? And she's like lung. And I just started laughing. (laughs) She said, you know what? And I said, well, they told me brain yesterday. And then she didn't sound very confident when I said, are we sure it's my lung or my brain? I said, you know what? I'm just going to drive down. So I drove down to Memorial where my doctor is and looked at the scans with my doctor. It turned out it was in my lungs, not my brain. Um, so I told her I was just going to tell everyone that I beat brain cancer in two days, um, which, you know, kind of a brag, but since then I've, um, it did turn out to be melanoma again in my lungs. Uh, they sent me to MD Anderson where I started treatment uh, a couple months later where I had to go in every three weeks and get, uh, chemo immunotherapy which is what I can now thank for my wonderful white beard and white hair and everything because I'm very, very fortunate through these multiple years that I've I've never had, um, I guess what, you know, the terrible things you hear about chemo and radiation doing. I've had five bad days in three years is what I tell you. About. And I've had five bad days where I guess that was what other people experience all the time. But beyond that, I haven't. And now it's just, all white hair. So I look kind of like Santa and aged about 10 years, which is fun for the slug fest. Cause everybody thinks I'm somebody's dad or uncle that's in there. Um, but I'm still 39. So that's not accurate, but I've been able to just keep going. Uh, I think maybe the slug fest and the self-motivation of, you know, being healthier is always better in these scenarios that that's what it's helped me with. And along with that and work and just, Continuing to press forward, I guess, has just always been something I guess I've been different than other people with, um, you know, and that's what I've done since then. So as it is right now, I'm down to – I go to MD Anderson every few months for my scans, but I'm getting my chemo in Gulfport, which I'll do all the way through 2025. Um, But everything looks good. The last time I was there, they were basically telling me that, you know the scans are showing almost nothing. I don't feel any different. I don't. I just look different. Um, but other than that, I, I've been very, very blessed, and I would be. That's great. Uh, news. Very like, yeah. It's just a good thing right now. So th-
1: that is accurate, though, right? You actually did uh, postpone chemo. F- yes. For yeah, fight. Correct. Is that, is yeah.
3: correct. Yeah, yeah. I think it was um, my. First, yeah, my first appointment for the actual immunotherapy after doing two visits to MD Anderson for where they scan you, check you, value. I was supposed to join, I was supposed to be part of a a trial, and it ended up not working out to where they needed something that didn't get done, blah, blah, blah. And they said, okay, cool, we're going to schedule you on, I don't remember the exact dates, but it was the weekend of one of the fights. And I said, yeah, that's fine, but that's that date's not going to work. Um, I will call – I will come the week before or the week after, but I fight that weekend, and I'm not willing to adjust that. So now multiple times before the slugfest, typically like the one I just want the one I just got first place in, um, I got chemo two weeks before that. I've done other ones where I get it a week before. Um, I haven't done it the day before, but I would. But I, have, but I haven't had to do that yet. So it's, yeah, I, I told him that wouldn't work. And we moved the appointment until after Stuckfest.
1: How does a doctor react to that? Um, I can't
3: they usually me. laugh. They usually <laughs> laugh. Yeah, my doctors, all the doctors have continued to have the uh, same reaction of just like, okay. I mean, like even <laughs> my doctor, when they, you know, mistakenly told me it was my brain instead of my lung, You know, she outright told me, like, I am so happy that they told you this and not somebody else because my reaction was just cracking up laughing versus, I mean, yeah, you have the right to be upset over that. I get it, but I just didn't think it was worth it. So they just kind of laugh, and I've made sure by asking them, like, hey, they know I fight. I've told them I do it, and they're like, hey, as long as you're feeling physically able to, go right ahead. So – I haven't broken What's any that, doctor's orders. I've just rescheduled appointments.
1: Who knows? They might be uh, prescribing Slugfest, uh, yeah, patients, uh, yeah, because it seems to be helping you in your your recovery. That's pretty, cool. yeah. It seems to
3: it seems to be doing it.
1: So earlier today, we we put a podcast in the can. We're going to release it uh, closer to the WPT Championship uh, with uh, Andrew Nimi. Uh, mm-hmm. He's somebody that you've met over the years and he's come and supported the bow in the past. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, knowing Andrew and
3: yeah. So we, when I was in Springfield, um, I had several people coming to me, telling me about Andrew Nimi and Brad Owens uh, saying, you should have these guys out. You should have these guys out. I don't follow poker vlogs or, or things like that. That's not to be disrespectful towards them. It's just, I don't really, it's just not my thing. Uh, I don't like watching. I want to go play if I start watching. So I don't want to do that. But um, we had gotten in contact where they emailed me to come to Springfield. um, And we ended up making it work. It took a lot of uh, convincing of gaming commissions, company, everything else. And I was the first MGM property that they, you know, were specifically brought in. I think they might have done some meetup games at properties, maybe without permission, Um, But with us, we brought them in and they came in and I told them point blank after day one that it was just absolutely mind blowing. Like we normally would have uh, around three to five games. uh, And the day they came, I was like, well, we might get up to what, eight or nine games. And we had 23 tables. We capped out with hundreds on the list waiting to play. And I was just mind blown because not only – did they bring these massive crowds, but the thing that is most um, impressive really about Andrew and Brad is the way that they interact with people and the way that they take the time to talk to people and they make people feel appreciated that support them. And it also blew my mind that people literally showed up to lose money to them to just try to get on the vlog and brought them gifts in the process, like bring them beer and all these, and I'm like, this is amazing. I should have tried to do this instead. But um, so we had them there. And then when it came time to do the tournament last year, there was talk about bringing, you know, vlogger, blogger, whatever you want to call in. And my first thought was to contact them. Luckily their schedule allowed it. Uh, They were to come out. We did the meet and greet. We had a great time for a few days. Same exact thing of I just – I've never seen people interact with, I guess, you know, quote, unquote, their fans uh, in the way that they do, that they're just very genuine people. I'm very happy for the success they have. You know, they they will not be at the heater this year, which is okay. They just have some other things that they have to do, and that's no problem. But I just saw Andrew um, last week while I was in Vegas for uh, G2E Summit. I saw him, and we met up, had a beer, and just, you know, kind of talked and talked I think it's awesome that they're doing great things and continue to grow their brand and that they are two very, very deserving people. Uh, They brought immense value to us as a company and a brand. And just again, the way that they, they treat the people that support them. You know, you see so many people that do this and then they become too big to take a picture or stop and have a conversation or anything else. I haven't ever seen them do that. Now, I mean, maybe if they're stuck in a game, it's probably not the best time to try to sit and like, Hey, can I get a picture? I just beat you out of a 10 K pot. Like, Hey, I couldn't do that, but I saw them do it with grace and dignity every time.
1: Yeah. uh, Andrew was uh, nothing but class on the the podcast. He he spoke very highly of the bow and, and, you know, from before playing there and the uncapped games and uh, the atmosphere and the the beauty of the property and, and the things that you have a hand in uh, enhancing for the players. So we enjoyed yeah. having it. Um, yeah. Gene, you got a question?
0: Yeah. Um, uh, Adam, uh, in the MMA world, do you know Jason Knight? He's an MMA fighter from the Gulf Coast. You ever cross paths with him?
3: Yeah, he's a little turd. Okay. I love <laughs> him to, I love, Jason and I have
0: trained together for a long time back.
3: I was fighting back before I became a shift manager in uh, 2000. When was my first fight? I think end of 2011 or 2012. So I trained with Jason when he actually was still a kid. He wasn't just the kid. He was a kid. Um, And then to see him go on to, you know, we used to tell everybody when he would fight, like when people would come watch me, we'd say, watch that kid. He's going to be in the UFC. For sure, he's going to be in the UFC. So, um, yeah, I've trained with him a bunch. I still see him at the gym. You know, I love the guy to death. He's a little turd. Don't get me wrong. That. While I am joking, it is also genuine. Uh, I love him to death. But, yeah, I see him pretty regular whenever I'm able to make the gym. Good deal, man.
0: And what's up in the heater? I don't know. Gene, you sound like that. Is there going to be a
3: jackpot or the jackpot? Uh, so I heard jackpot. That's the only thing I made out of what was just said. Besides that I was trying to decode it, I heard jackpot.
1: Can you hear me yeah, now? Yeah he, yeah. he sounded like uh, Optimus Prime or something. Uh,
3: I, he, I, I thought you were transforming in the moment, Gene. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what was happening, but I thought you were transforming.
0: Sorry, guys. Are are they going to have cash games up in the tournament room for the heater? And uh, is there going to be a a jackpot or is a jackpot just in the cash room?
3: Yeah, we'll have cash games upstairs this year. Um, So the other topic that I'm sure would eventually come up, but kind of perfect segue, Gene. Uh, You know, our room will be relocating um, beginning to mid-December. Uh, we'll be right actually at the bottom of the escalators coming down from the tournament area. So it works out perfect for everyone. Um, with this relocation, we are going to implement basically a way to, whereas normally we have cash games upstairs uh, opening weekend. And then after that, it's been downstairs in the room. One thing that was really unique about this year beyond the massive turnout was that our cash games Uh, We're filling up. We were filling the room every day. And as someone who was a shift manager for several years of the heater, normally Tuesday through Wednesday, we'd get, you know, 80%, 90% full. Whereas this year, we were capped out in games every single day. So this upcoming year, we're going to do basically a, a format change to encourage and invite people to play upstairs throughout the heater from the day we open until essentially the day the tournament's done so that we can make sure we can accommodate the crowds and uh, any games up there that would be a jackpot game downstairs will be jackpot eligible upstairs as well.
1: Nice. Uh, are you guys going to have
3: SYNGOS again? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I loved the fact that we were finally able to adjust them from Announcing single table satellite on table 53 and then handing off tournament chips that people forgot about, people whatever else, to actually make them true sit-and-goes. What we will do this year is last year, we didn't really know what the huge feedback would be. And given the gaming process and everything required, that I think people sometimes – you know, don't realize is required because of the you know. Well, you could just change this, and you could just do it. well. Yeah, I'd love to, but there's process. Uh, we're gonna have more formats for uh, some. We had you know requests for bigger buy-ins and things like that. So we're gonna play with the formula uh, myself and Paul Dutch to provide more than just you know hundred dollar and two hundred dollar ones. You know, maybe some $300, three hundred, five hundred, even thousand, whatever we really want to go up to. Um, that way, players can have that option available throughout.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's great that you're you're hosting them with the WSOP not doing them anymore in the summers. Yeah. Uh, I, I hear a lot of players ask that question about our events and obviously about the heater. Um, I think there's definitely people that are hungry for that kind of action. They like an hour to play a tournament, you know, and yeah, can get something resolved quickly.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a big thing with it. I mean, for us, you know, I guess I can add the asterisk unless somehow gaming says that we are not permitted to do them this year because I haven't submitted that yet. So if somehow that happens, I'm just a filthy liar with what I'm saying to you right now. Um, But barring that, we'll have them because it's exactly what you said. You know, you guys, I think uh, you guys had the chance to meet my dad when you know we were at Pearl River, and he's – you know, he's even myself. I don't really. The reason other reason I play the limit tournaments is because I don't have to play a hundred percent focused like you do in a no limit tournament. You screw up one time in a no limit, you just ruined your whole tournament life. And to do that for eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day, like people that play the main event, I, I of course, I'd love to play the main event. I would win the whole thing or be broke by day two. Which, I, considering you can't win it by day two, that probably only leaves one out for me. So, the like, you know, hour, two hour format, I think is, is perfect. Um, not that I'm discouraging the long play, but just me personally, I, I, can't, I can't put in that long. I like to drink beer and, and make jokes while I play and, you know, kind of relax and to try to stay stone faced for days on days is just not good for me.
2: So if I could hop in for for a moment, um, I I uh, I think let, let's stay on the the poker the poker theme for a moment. Um, yeah. You know, you've talked about the bow. It's just wonderful. You've been been able to to spend so much time at one property and see the the um, the property grow. Like, what did your experience at MGM Springfield and and other places? Like what did you learn about poker? You know, moving away from the bow. And then I also, I also see on your Hendon, and I don't know if this is a story or, or I just love to hear your impressions. Uh We got a cash at the Australian Poker League Tour. So does that mean you were tour in <laughs> Australia? So like, what's going on? Here?
3: So I, uh, I think I know what you're talking about Hendon Mob. I don't know what that is. I know there's one that was a bounty that I played. Um, I dealt an event in Prague, I think it was, where if there's one listed on there that's either in the Czech Republic or Prague, that 100% is me. Uh, the other one that you're talking about, I actually think I saw on there and was like, did I do that? I don't remember if I. I don't think I've done it, um, but it may or may not be. There is one from overseas that's on the mob, but I don't. I think there might have been two, and one of them is inaccurate. Well, um, Say, so have but,
2: you have you been to Australia or no?
3: No, no. no That's no what I mean. I mean, unless I've—I don't know. Maybe I like—I like to party a long time ago, Ben. <laughs> and sometimes you end up in strange. No, I, I've never been there, so I know if there's one from Prague or Czech, I was there, or maybe it was Slovakia, one of those places.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you have been around up around uh, the, country, yeah. the country and the world, but just not to, yeah. to Australia. Yeah, not to
3: Australia. Yeah, I think that you know that time actually of. From traveling as a dealer um, all across the country, working for different brands, working for different companies, working for different staff, to also doing a little bit over in Europe, to you know, Beauvage, then up to Springfield. Um, factoring all that in with again my origins of basically coming from home games and private clubs in Ohio, where we didn't have anything legal. You had to drive across. You know, to the river boat that floated between Kentucky and Ohio to play three six limit hold'em. Um, those experiences, to me, have really just given me uh, a, a an ability to find something to relate to with a lot of people. And to me, I feel like that's maybe my strongest feature. If I'm being completely honest, is just the ability that whether you're an old school you know, I want my limit game back person, or you're the guy that's plus EV minus six on my return software things. I don't, words Adam doesn't understand. I I can find something to talk to people about or relate about. And when it comes to poker specifically, uh, I've seen it operated in a lot of different ways. So my goal is always to try to be able to explain anything we have to do to someone in a way that makes sense to them. Because I think a lot of times the problem is in these discussions that people have in poker rooms, whether you're making a floor rolling and someone's upset or whether someone's upset about the juice you're charging in a tournament, uh, finding a way to communicate, communicate that that makes sense, that even though maybe they won't be on your side or they might still be unhappy, they should at least understand what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I never, it's kind of like employees that work for me. It's like, I never want someone to get fired because they didn't know they could do this or they could do this. It's like, you have the right to understand that you don't have to agree with it, but at least if you can understand it, then that's the best I can do sometimes. Uh, so I feel like the traveling and doing that has been probably the biggest skill that I've picked up that I try to use the most now in the role I'm in.
2: Yeah, that that relatability, it's it's so huge, you know, and I think, you know, one of the themes you hear when people are critical of of poker rooms or poker room managers is, oh, you know, they just they just don't get poker. They don't understand us as players. And, uh, you know, as somebody who uh, has been to the bow a bunch and and who, who hears kind of the, you know, just the chatter in New Orleans, people people really do speak highly of of the bow and the culture you all have created there and I I don't think it's a um a coincidence I I I wonder it's interesting hearing you talk about growing up in Ohio and and the 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 boats and all that uh you know your poker origin story really involves you starting as as a dealer and getting into management was there ever any inkling of hey I'm going to try to be a pay a poker pro or be a, a, a player or was it always um the 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 dealer the
3: dealer and the manager for you well, now, so technically, I think I was a poker professional. I was a terrible <laughs> professional, but I think I was for at least like a month. Um, I won I won a tournament actually at our uh, little club that we did. We used to do um, single table satellites to try to get a main event seat. So you'd play $100. You know, they we'd do 10 tables. The 10 people who won would then play the finals. The winner gets that. Well, we did one. And we ended up only getting eight tables off. So we didn't have enough for the main. So the eight final players all decided we would just um, play it for the 8,000, you know, winner take all. And one guy busted four people in the first orbit of the table to everybody's like, oh, wow. He was the worst player at the table that did it. Don't get me wrong. All due respect to the guy who I don't even remember. But it ended up getting him and I heads up. And I tell people so to say, I don't know why. But when we got heads up, he had probably, I don't know, we'll just say four to one in chips to me. And it was 8,000 winner take all. And he said, you want to make a deal? And I was like, well, what do you what do you want to give me? And he said, I'll give you 900. I'll take the 7,100, whatever it is. He had to have me four to one because that would have made more sense. And for some reason in my head, I said, I want a thousand. So a hundred dollars more, or I get absolutely nothing. It's, you know, I want a thousand. And he said, no, I'll give you 900. I said, it's a thousand or no deal. And he said, okay, no deal. And we played and I doubled up like the next three hands (laughs) to where we were basically even. And he said, well, you still want a thousand? And I said, no, I'd like a lot more than a thousand now. And so then I made a deal with him where I got um, 4,100 and he got 3,900 because I wanted the extra hundred to prove a point. And I played professionally off of that massive four thousand one hundred dollar bankroll for at least two to three weeks because that was immediately in the twenty forty stud game. Like, oh, I'm rich. I never. <laughs> I don't. I don't need money anymore. Like, why do you guys go to work? This is ridiculous. And easy game. somehow that yeah, easy get. Like later, I was just like, there's this is it. I never have to look back. I'm young 20 something year old, and I have $4,100 to my name. Like, where do I buy my yacht? How does this happen? Um, and so I did it for a little bit. But after that, no, I I quickly realized that while at times I can be successful playing, there's no way I could do it. I don't have the money management. I don't have the patience uh, that it really requires all the things that people don't account for when it comes to being a pro poker player.
0: Yeah, you're right. All right, Ben, you uh, got anything else?
2: No, this was wonderful. It was so wonderful to hear, um, hear the different pieces of your life and how, how they, um, how they fit together. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about, Adam,
3: that, that we haven't covered? um no i I don't think so specifically like i said i mean our when it comes to the official work side you know our our poker room is moving the bow poker room is moving at the you know beginning to mid december uh we're gonna have a fully built custom room we are gonna have 12 tables so it's a few less than we have now and while some people are kind of like well you're taking down tables you know they don't care about poker if they're removing tables it it, it couldn't be further from the truth because we're getting this room custom built. We've been in the location we're at for seven or eight years to where Johnny Grooms and I moved the chairs on graveyard, the chairs and the tables from the old poker room to where we're at now when I was still shift manager. So to finally get where we're supposed to be, I'm very excited for that. And then obviously January coming up. um, Yeah. I need everybody to show up. If you want to have a reason to have, Adam, back on with any sort of official bow title. Otherwise, you may just be having me on here as a friend. So that would be um, a great thing. Now, it's it's. I'm very excited for the release of the schedule. I'm hoping within the next day or two, this will be out with Golf Coast Poker. This will be out to the public, and everyone will see what I really believe has been put together as you know the best tournament schedule I've seen. In a very long time. Well, yeah. All right, man. We really
2: look forward to it, Adam. Uh, Thanks so much for coming on. And we're definitely going to anticipate the the release of the schedule and uh, the new room opening, and of course, the the heater. Perfect. I appreciate you
3: guys having me.